grace and peace to you from God and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. These are the words which the Lord spoke. On the day of salvation, I answered your prayers. I have kept you. But the people of Jerusalem said, the Lord has forgotten us and left us all alone. All alone. There are four crucial events that, from my perspective, are keys to my understanding of the nature of God. The first of these are the creation of everything that is. God created everything that is, and God created it good. The second is the exodus of the Hebrew people from Egypt to the promised land. God heard their prayers and delivered them out of bondage in Egypt into a land flowing with milk and honey. The third, which I'll speak about more in just a second, is the return of the Hebrew people from the Babylonian exile. And the fourth, as I am a Christian, the most important one is the birth, life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning's reading from the book of Isaiah, we come across a part of Isaiah attributed to a second prophet who used the name Isaiah. He stood in the midst of the Hebrew people at the end of the Babylonian exile. The Hebrew people were about to return to their homeland even though they really didn't believe it. In this time before the exile, they had been warned before the time of exile, I'm sorry, they had been warned and repeatedly by the prophet known as First Isaiah about their evil and rebellious ways, their rejection of God's teachings, their forgetfulness of the orphan, the widowed, those who were disenfranchised, those who were downtrodden, and their concern more about their human comforts and the things that they had. The people didn't listen. And they were carried off into exile. After this, they became, became aware because of their suffering and in their many years of captivity, they began to understand the error of their ways and the consequences of their former behavior. Former behavior. And they reached the conclusion that we have just heard. The Lord has forgotten us and left us all alone. We have been absolutely abandoned by God. Second Isaiah appears on the scene proclaiming the end of this captivity, the day of release, the day of the salvation of God's chosen people. And despite their belief of abandonment, God had never left them, Isaiah tells them, in fact, had been close by and had always heard their prayers. God cries out, go free. Come out into the light. But the people still hold that the Lord has forgotten us and left us all alone. That's their response to Isaiah. It is as if their ears remain closed to God's word, this time to the word of salvation and hope, of freedom and release, of loss of anxiety, worry, and fear. Anxiety. Worry, fear, we all know those words. We know all about them, worry, anxiety, and fear. 
All we have to do if we forget about it is to turn on the television set and we hear about earthquakes and wars, the turmoil and transition across the Arab world, the violence of the mercenaries in the streets of Tripoli, rising oil prices, the global economy. Do you want me to keep going or have I made you anxious? Worrisome, fearful. These things all press in upon us from the world and then what presses upon us from inside just adds to the situation. We have our own individual concerns and worries, our own personal fears and anxieties. In another time, a similar free-floating fear and anxiety in the life of the world, when I was rector of St. Mary and St. Martha's Parish in Buford, Georgia, the reality of this free-floating anxiety and worry dominated the conversation of a colleague group that I've attended for years and years as we gather every three weeks to talk about our ministry and the pressures of, of being a priest and what it is that we hear from our people that we need to pay attention to. At the close of one of those last sessions that we really focused on that, the mentor asked us if we were willing to do a reality check. He said to us, in your service bulletin, place a three-by-five card. And at the time of the announcement, say to your congregations, the reason you have that three-by-five card is that now before we pass the plates, I want you to take a quick moment to think about the three things that keep you awake when you wake up in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. Just write them down quickly and put them in the alms basins and we'll report back to you next week. Well, I thought it was a pretty good idea. And so I did it. Despite the many events that were happening around the world and within our own nation at the time and within the own, own, our own community, both the local community and within the parish, <clears throat> most of all the responses had at least two of these replies. <clears throat> Family concerns, job security, and financial um, instability. The future financial concerns. Now, it's my guess that these are three basic fears and anxieties of all human life throughout all time. It's very human to be worried about, will I have food? Will I have shelter? Will I continue to be able to provide for my needs and the needs of those I love? And ultimately, there's the question of, will I survive? Sound familiar? Anxious yet? Into, onto the scene comes Jesus. And he looks around him at this end of the Sermon on the Mount and he sees these very human beings who are anxious about these very things just as you and I are. And he's so bold as to say, so do not worry and say, what will I eat or what will I drink or what will I wear? Everyone else in the world worries about these. Jesus knows about our fears and anxieties. Yet, do, do not worry is awfully easy to say and very hard to live out. Do not worry. Now, I've lived through numerous downturns in the economy, several periods of, re of recession, numerous wars in which our nation has been engaged and is presently engaged. But the very worst financial time in my life was in my early 20s. I had graduated from college. I had begun the discernment process, which in those days was a year, 
a year long. I love saying in those days. I'm old enough to do it now and mean it. And rather than commit myself to uh, uh, an industry or to a job that I might say goodbye to in eight or ten months, I decided to continue to lay carpet, uh, which I had done every uh, college, every summer of my college career. Uh, good work, hard work, um, good pay in those days. And as the fall came up upon us, we were rolling up all kinds of extra hours of overtime and um, the pay was good and the overtime was great and I was living high on the hog and I was buying things on the credit card that I had always wanted but had never thought I could afford. And I was asking my question, myself the question, can I afford the monthly payment? You know that trick? You know that trap? I fell right into it. And I, you know, suddenly between Thanksgiving and Christmas, the work ran out. Everybody had gotten their Christmas carpet ready for the family to come and visit, and there was no work for us whatsoever. Didn't take long for the creditors, the credit card companies, the car note, and the landlord who is in person who knocks on the door and says, where's my rent? It began to make my life very, very uncomfortable I struggled along for several months, and then I was blessed to also have a backup plan. They were called my parents. But I learned an important lesson. I learned about economic downturns and not being prepared for them. And I learned a great deal about anxiety and worry and fear as to whether I was even going to be in a house or abode. Um, so Jesus comes and says, don't worry. Yeah, right. The end of that story is some months later, the uh, diocese decided that I needed more uh, life experiences before going to seminary. And so I used my BA from geology, of, in geology from Emory University to get my first real job with a testing and engineering firm here in Atlanta. And suddenly, some of the anxieties and fears were relieved as the money became uh, available, as it rolled in. To be honest, I still worry about what I will wear and what I will eat, about the welfare of those I love and those whom I serve. I know that the changes and chances of this life and the implications of possible future catastrophes chip away at my sense of stability and security. Just last Friday, we got a call from Susie's brother, whose wife had had a cerebral hemorrhage and was in grave condition. Just like that, life can change in the twinkling of an eye. Every time I visit my mother at Canterbury Court, I know what lies ahead in the not-too-distant future. Yet I will stand before you this day and be so bold as to add my frail human voice to Jesus' words, do not worry. Kind of bold. But we need to not worry. We need to not be like the Hebrew people, thinking that all is lost, for God has not and will not ever leave us. Granted, we have to do our part we have to put feet on our prayers and actions on our needs. 
but we have to not worry so much. We need not be like the man, and I didn't mean to tell the whole joke, but I'll do it again. I did it at nine. The man whose home was in the midst of a flood and he fled to his roof and a boat came by and said, come on, get in. And he said, no, my God will save me. And then the water rises higher and he's at the very peak of the roof and a boat comes by and says, come on, jump in. And he said, no, God will save me. And then he's holding on to a chimney. A helicopter comes by and says, grab the rope. And he says, no, God will save me. And he ends up in the kingdom of God. And he says, God, why didn't you save me? And God says, what do you want? I sent you two boats and a helicopter. <laughs> we have to be seeking God's presence and God's word. After all, we are responsible. We are able to respond. God already knows our needs before we ask. We just heard that. When we hear and respond to Jesus' words in today's gospel lesson, seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first those things which are fundamental to the faith. Seek ye first those things that you can hold on to even in the midst of the fray, even in the midst of the storm. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and right relationship with God so that you can fall in love with God and trust God. And the rest will come. The rest will come. When we seek to seek, sink the foundation of our lives into the kingdom of God, into God's teaching, into God's presence, into God's will, when we seek a deeper and more right or righteous relationship with our creator and those around us, we leave behind the cries of the Hebrew people. The Lord has forgotten us. Instead, what we hear and what we trust and what we come to know is what God said at the end of today's reading from Isaiah. A mother, God, cannot forget her own baby. She always loves her own child. In the same way, I will never forget you. And I have written your name on the palm of my hands.